Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community, and policymakers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. I'd like to simply start by saying rest in peace to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. She will be remembered in my eyes as a champion of rural communities and a stabilising head of state who helped to steer not only England through many challenging times, but the entire Commonwealth, spanning an impressive 70 years as the monarch. No matter your personal views on the monarchy, and indeed New Zealand's membership in the Commonwealth, she has to be admired for her length of unwavering service and duty. Now over the next few weeks, I'm looking at the Hill Country Futures Programme and afforestation. It is no secret that my view on wholesale land use change into exotic forestry is flawed and in the long run won't serve New Zealand well. In particular, I have a real issue with internationals buying land in this country for the sole purpose of farming carbon. It is a travesty that this has been allowed to happen. I am a believer in the right tree in the right place and forestry works well integrated into farming systems and on marginal country that livestock struggle on. Sinead Leahy from the New Zealand Greenhouse Gas Research Centre had a chat with me last year. Have a listen to one of the interviews. Some of you will have listened to it and some of you won't have. If you have, it's a good one to recap on and one of the big questions is, can we plant our way out of emissions targets that have been set for us? We also touch on technology and other areas that are being developed to help with reducing emissions. Let's have a listen. Hello, Sinead. Thank you for joining me on the show again. Oh, it's great to be back again, Angus, chatting with you. Is there anything that farmers can do right now? Yeah, so I think we've now got very clear signals that, you know, agricultural emissions are going to be a, going to be priced, you know, come 2025. So right now, there's no real urgency, but what farmers can start in terms of what they should be doing on their farm, but what they should be doing is really starting to get an awareness around, you know, why are people talking about greenhouse gases? You know, what are the sources of sinks on my farm system? And, you know, start to know your number. So how much greenhouse gases am am I actually producing on my farm right now with the current practices that I implement? There are a number of sort of carbon calculators that are now out there. They sort of range from the simple to, to the more complex. And depending on the question you want to ask, you can sort of select one of those carbon calculators, take a look at what your number um, is, and then benchmark it to sort of other um, what other farms or businesses that are similar to you are are producing in terms of their greenhouse gas um, um, profile. So really, when it comes to right now, I think it's around getting your awareness up on what this whole issue is around GHGs, where your sources and sinks on your farms, and you know, get your number, get a carbon calculator, um, and get an idea of how much you're you're producing right now. Okay. And what options might be available in the next few years? Yes, yeah, so it's um, this that that question is 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 interesting. I I'm really fortunate that 
um, through my work at the centre, I get the opportunity to do um, some rural professional workshops on agricultural greenhouse gas emissions. And it's the running joke that uh, we get to the point where we talk about the options and everybody mm-hmm. thinks we're, we're really on time. But what happens is I, I spend for the next hour talking about the various different options that might be hmm. might be available so i'll only hmm. talk about um two ingots but if there's ones that are a real interest please you can you can feel free to ask me about sure. so so the ones that are coming out i think you know that are closest to 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 getting to to out and farm through through the sciences is around animal breeding and hmm. so we know that um we can breed for a low methane emissions animal. A lot of the work was done here actually in New Zealand uh, in, in sheep. It was started, you know, back in the late 1990s. And researchers went out and they measured thousands of sheep. And basically what they found was that there were some sheep that produced higher amounts of um, methane. And there were some sheep that produced lower amounts of methane. And the sort of the difference between the very highs and the very lows was about um, 20%. So um, what researchers did is they took some of those those lines of sheep and they just went down the traditional animal breeding um, route. And so what they've bred now are two, you know, a high emitting flock and a low emitting flock and there's about 10 percent um difference between those two flocks in terms of the the amount of methane they've produced they've also gone in and actually learned quite a lot around well why is it a high methane emitting sheep and why is it a low emitting sheep and they've they've found that it's related to the rumen size it's also related to um the microbial composition in those um in those rumens they tend to act slightly different and they've also gone out and said well is there any adverse effects to these low methane emitting um animals and so far they've found um no issues in relation to to productivity so that's got to a stage in the science where now scientists are working with industry so working with entities like beef and lamb genetics to really incorporate that low emissions um trait into the national um selection index for Mm -hmm for sheep across um, New New Zealand. And right now, um, industry and and researchers are working with a select number of ram breeders who are looking to incorporate um, that trait. And it's likely that within the next one to two years that that trait will be available to to all farmers um, um, across New Zealand. And then it will be up to farmers whether that type of genetics is something they want to incorporate into their their animals but certainly you know um in relation to sheep it's really moved on getting much close as as close as you can get to 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 the farm um, gate in terms of animal breeding for cattle one of the reasons uh, researchers started with sheep was really around the difficulties in how you measure methane with sheep it's often done in these little um, chambers um, and we only have 24 of them in in New Zealand back when the sort of sheep um, sort of selection line um, um, began. Since then there's been newer technologies um, that allow you to measure uh, methanes of, of, of much bigger animals and also out on, on the paddock, green feed systems and so that's allowed us to sort of start in animal breeding 
um, program when it comes to, to cattle. But researchers feel that everything that they've learned in the sheep, so acknowledging that a sheep is not a little cow, but they feel that a lot of the information that they've learned through that sheep breeding program can be translated to a cattle breeding program. And so there's now research just started with industry, LIC and CRV mm. Inbraid, to sort of look at the bulls that will be used to sire the majority of New Zealand's dairy herd in the future. And so looking to see um, if the same results hold through in, in cattle. So some really good work with, with animal breeding, but as always with animal breeding, it's, it's a slow process mm-hmm. and it takes time to acquire um, um, impact, but it's certainly a technology that's um, heading towards um, the farm gate. That's pretty, that's pretty exciting. I have to say. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, and, and that's what I think one of the, the climate change commission report, um, you know, did mention that, in its low emissions um, pathway that it proposed that incorporation of this sort of low emissions methane trait um, may be something that um, may be part of New Zealand's uh, future. And what about deep into the future? And when I mean deep, uh, things like vaccines, for example. Yeah, so 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 what a vaccine um, um, does, you know, I'll tell you, I'll give you the latest of, of where 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 the research is up in terms of a vaccine. So as I said, you know, in our last podcast, we, we, we talked about how we know that um, uh, these methane forming microbes are present in every ruminant across, across the globe. And what a vaccine does is it basically targets those methane forming microbes specifically and sort of impacts their ability to, to produce um, methane. So you stimulate the immune system in the mouth of the animal and basically that immune system then washes into the rumen stomach through saliva and then the immune system you're hoping that the immune system is able to identify those methane forming microbes and then as i said impact them or stop them from producing methane so where researchers Mm. have got to it's probably one of the it's it's one of the the most I guess, wanted type of mitigation technology Mm. um, because it's so, you know, farmers are used to it on farm. It's something that's, you know, in a sense, standard agricultural practice. Mm. Consumers are reasonably comfortable um, because it's already used on farm, that type of approach. But the difficulty with it is it's probably one of the more complicated approaches um, to actually figure from a scientific perspective. But where scientists have got to is they've... um, show that it can potentially work it works in a test tube it works in little bottles or an in vitro system that sort of replicates a living animal but then when they moved to um sort of a live animal they're not getting they're not seeing any reduction in mm. methane but what they have done through an assessment of 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 the science is they've not found any reason why it shouldn't work and so mm. they're really sort of painstakingly going through all of the various different reasons why it's not working to see if they can um, get it um, um, to work. But certainly, I think if you could get a vaccine to to work, that would be a, a fantastic mitigation approach, I think, for the agricultural sector. Mm. It sounds like uh, there's great work going on there and quite promising. Yeah, that, that vaccine program is, is really... Um, will really be um, something I think that you'd be looking for the 2050 target rather yeah. than a 20, 2030 target. Even if, for instance, a, you know, a scientist somewhere in New Zealand said, woohoo, we've got it. We've had our woo mm. 
moment when it comes to a vaccine, it would still take for it to move through the regulatory process, all of the various different uh, experiments that would need to be able to do to make sure it doesn't adversely affect productivity, etc. Yeah. You know, you're talking over over a decade of of research to to get it there. So it really is um, something for for the 20, 2050 target. I probably could just mention probably one more that's probably much closer to market, and that's around methane inhibitors, Angus. Mm. Um, because and so what a methane inhibitor is is really it's sort of a chemical compound or a feed additive that you would give to an animal. And that compound would then, again, directly target those methane-forming microbes and somehow stop them from producing methane or impact their ability to produce methane. And there's a very promising uh, methane inhibitor, which is quite a lot of research behind it. It's known as 3-NOP. And what they've shown is, and it was developed under a TMR system, so a total mixed ration System. So think sort of in-shed feeding, think like the American or the Canadian type um, agricultural systems. And if it's fed in every mouthful of feed, we know that um, based on their studies that you can get a 30% reduction in the amount of methane produced per, per animal. So that's mm. a significant um, um, reduction. Um, and it's likely that that uh, form of um, 3NOP is likely to be it's currently under registration in Europe and it's likely to be available there within the next um, one to two years, according to um, um, the literature that, that you, you see. So that mm. would, that's, a, that's a huge, so that's sort of the first methane inhibitor um, off the rank and there are others coming, coming behind it. Uh, one of the issues, of course, with 3NOP, and it's going to be, I think, marketed under a Bovair um, product name, is that it's a very short-lived compound which is great, of course, because it's unlikely to give you residues. But from a pastoral grazing system, um, it means it only lasts for about, once taken in feed, it only lasts for about one to two hours. Mm. And so that means it's currently, in its current formulation, it's not really suitable for the majority of um, New Zealand um, um, systems. So there is work going on to develop sort of um, slow-release type technologies that may make it more applicable to something, for instance, the dairy industry here in New Zealand, where they might be milking their animals twice a day and have the potential to feed such a compound during those um, time periods. And there's also some promising work around whether you could actually deliver it early in life for the first 14 weeks of life. And then it actually maintains, um, uh, it creates a sort of low emissions animal through that intervention. So a lot of um, research around methane inhibitors um, as well. And as mm. I said, the first methane inhibitor likely to be made available globally in the next in the next two to three years or so. That's really interesting. Sinead, do you think farmers have already progressed in their practices since, say, the early 1990s, either anecdotally or with evidence? Um yeah, no, I think when it comes to greenhouse gas um, emissions, I think we've actually very good evidence um, in showing um, what farmers have done in terms of their on-farm practices and what that has met, meant for greenhouse gases in, in New Zealand. And it goes back to, I suppose, when New Zealand sort of joined those international agreements like the Kyoto Agreement back in the, the 1990s. One of the things it meant is that we actually had had to start accounting for our greenhouse gas um, emissions. And New Zealand actually has a very 
um, or it has evolved over the, the last few decades to have a very good accounting system for greenhouse gases at the national um, level. But what we've been able to show that um, in terms of our agricultural emissions, we have increased them since 1990, about 70% since 1990. But what we do know is that, of course, farmers have got more efficient uh, with how they uh, how how they farm. We're not farming the same as we did back in the in the 1990s. And some of the changes that were made, and these were made never in relation to climate change or environmental. They were really made because it made good sense. It made good sense to the bottom bottom line. But what we've been able to show by accounting for our greenhouse gas emissions that if farmers hadn't become as efficient as they are now, New Zealand's greenhouse gas emissions could be 40% above 1990 levels uh, rather than the 17% that we see um, mm. um, currently. But what it also tells us, and we sort of talked about this this last week, is that New Zealand farmers, we are one of the most efficient agricultural nations in, in, in the world, but how much more efficient can can we get? And if we want to make significant decreases in our agricultural emissions, then like I said in our last podcast, we will need new technologies or we'll need to see land use change um, that we've not seen um, um, before. So you just mentioned that we now have a much better handle on emissions, but what about total on-farm sequestration? And we touched a bit on this last week, but mm. are there, have there been any advancements on having an understanding of total on-farm sequestration? Because in my view, this is as important as understanding emissions. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of work going on currently with um, the Hewaka Ekonoa um, um, partnership, which are really going to be looking at on-farm sequestration. We talked last week around soil carbon and the complexities around soil carbon and the question that's that's consistently asked, which, you know, are we losing or gaining soil carbon in terms of um, um, in, in New Zealand based on our agricultural um, practices? And there is work going on to sort of understand um particularly soil carbon. We have a national monitoring program has been set up, which has been fantastic. That's um, been, um, it's funded through the NZADRC where I work um, and been deployed by the Manaki Fenua and the University of Waikato. And essentially what they're doing, and it started back in 2019 and it'll go out to 2030. And it'll look at uh, 500 sites across New Zealand across the various different soils that we have in New Zealand and the farm systems that we have in New Zealand and they'll be looking to measure soil carbon across those various different um, um, locations to sort of address that question around what's happening in relation to soil carbon. In terms of total on-farm sequestration, as mm. I said, Hewake Kanoa, they have a stream that's really looking at, you know, the other forms of, of on-farm sequestration, say outside of, of, of trees, but riparian strips and, and et cetera, mm. and, and making sure that, uh, or having a look at those types of sequestration um, um, approaches and whether they can be um, incorporated into into accounting, etc. We have talked a little bit about. We've touched on land use change. Um, mm. I believe we are at a critical stage in land use change, and in particular, exotic trees and indeed carbon farming. I believe in the right tree in the right place, and not on good productive country that is well suited to livestock. I also have concerns around negative social implications to our rural communities. 
with this land use change. Do you have any thoughts on this or foresee any issues? Oh, that's a really tough question, um, Ingus. The, fr- the first thing I would sort of say when it comes to, to, f- to forestry is I'm no expert, but I have had the, I've been lucky that I've been able to listen to a lot of um, experts talk about this, this, this whole um, issue. And, and my synapses, it's, it's very complex. Um, but I guess, you know, at the higher level, if we talk about trees and, and climate change, you know, we are not going to be able to plant our way out of, of climate change. Trees will be an important um, approach that we can use to help give us time um, to get our emissions down. But, you know, once you plant a tree, you know, that's, that's its, it, that's its carb, that's, that's its carbon. If we can't plant, you know, every, part of New Zealand with with trees it, it's not it, it's it's a tool that will be able to help us but um it's certainly we cannot we cannot use it to um um yeah we can't plant our way out of, yeah. of climate change I guess is is mm-hmm. this is a simple answer yeah. to that and I guess the extension of that allowing an emitter to purchase land for carbon farming or indeed purchase purchase carbon credits like let's say an airline or an oil company this to me suggests they're not actually making changes to their emissions or their practices rather they are essentially robbing peter to pay paul yeah um i guess that goes back to that uh report that the parliamentary commissioner uh put out back in 2019 where he really talked about you know really opened up this discussion around well should agricultural land only be used to offset agricultural emissions? You know, really interesting um, um, point point of view. Um, again, I guess you go back to, you know, the climate doesn't care where the, the emissions reductions happen. Mm-hmm. We just are where we, you know, um, we just need to, 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 to make it um, happen. So I, I guess I don't really have an answer um, to, to, to that question. I think there's, various routes that we can that we can get to a low emissions future um and that's i guess what that climate change commission uh report put forward was you know one route for us to move to a low emissions um um future and then it's up to new zealand to decide what they think is acceptable um in terms of that uh route but at the end of the day the the climate doesn't matter where the emissions reductions happen it just has to um happen if to win our climate targets um i believe our farmers are new zealand's most important asset we're a trading export nation do you have a view on the importance of farming to new zealand um well i i think i'm going to be biased angus because as i said i grew up uh, beside my granddad's farm so you know i'm going to have a biased view of the agricultural sector it's you know i've had a wonderful um childhood most of my after school was on my um, granddad's um, um, farm. So, you know, but if we look to the evidence, you know, um, or the data, you know, uh, agriculture is a big money earner for New Zealand. And the the market, um, you know, future of the market suggests that there's going to be no um, let up in the demand for the products that we produce. So, 
um, agriculture is going to continue to be an important part of New Zealand's um, future, particularly from an economy point of view, but also the social structure of the rural community um, as well. Agriculture plays a huge role um, in that and a wonderful lifestyle for many people to, to grow up to grow up in so you know absolutely farming is a is a really important asset to to New Zealand but equally so are other um, um sectors as well make a huge contribution um to to New Zealand and I guess what it means going forward for climate change is that you can't really pit sector against sector and um, we all have to sort of uh, get in the boat together I suppose and um, mm. um and, and, and and row to the to the location I think that we all want to go to which is um a future for a good future for us and for our children and our children's children mm. Mm. How do we compare to other big agricultural countries in terms of our emissions and efficiencies? Yeah, so as I as I said, I think throughout the 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 two the two podcasts we've um, um, been chatting um, through Angus, you know, N- New Zealand. Um, I think there's good evidence to to support New Zealand as being sort of in the top five of dairy producers worldwide, um, and we're probably one of the top. We probably are the top producer in terms of lamb, you know, worldwide. Are we have um, we are we are one of the top agricultural nations and our ability to to produce uh you know a low emissions product um is 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 well is well is well known so in comparison uh yeah as i said we're 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 up there in the in the top i don't know if we can say we're number one for 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 dairy my irish colleagues often you're gonna um, say ireland eh? (laughs) yeah i'm pretty sure if you asked an ireland person they'd say they're number one so but i think what we can say safely is that we're we're definitely in the top five when it comes to to dairy Mm, fantastic now um I'll let you get on. I know you're busy, but I really do appreciate your time and thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Angus. It's wonderful. I can't help but think the real reason for the attempt by the Climate Change Commission to shun total on-farm sequestration is because farmers are already close to carbon neutrality in real numbers. But they think farmers will just roll over and take what is thrown at them. My guess is they believe it is easy to take on the farmer than it is to take on big emitters like airlines and fuel companies. I don't believe that because 50% of New Zealand's emissions come from agriculture without considering sequestration, we should punish farmers. We are a farming nation for heaven's sake. New Zealand's primary industry is this country's most important. Around 80% of the world's emissions come from burning petroleum. Globally, agriculture makes up 24% of emissions, again, without considering sequestration. And unlike petroleum, agriculture provides food. Food is an ever-increasing need, so let's find ways to ensure those needs are continually being met and affordable. Rather than looking for ways to further tax food production, which only increases the bill at the checkout. That's all from me this week. Thank you for listening, and catch you next time.